This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode 171. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. My name is Michael Blanc. I'll be your host today. Thanks for being here. Learn all about apartment building, investing, the best way to become financially free with real estate. And if you're listening to this, it is literally one day before Dealmaker Live in Dallas. We have over 500 people registered for the event. It's super, super exciting. Going to hang out with people like Robert Helms and Joe Fairless, Michael Becker, Adam Adams, Corey Peterson. We have Hal Elrod speaking this weekend as well. He's the author of The Miracle Morning. Really privileged to, to, to get to know him. And so it's just super, super excited. And, you know, I think uh, once the event is over, we'll sleep for like a week and then start planning for 2020. I just really jazzed up and to be able to meet all of you guys. And it's a great way for us to, to connect as well. Today, I want to talk about uh, on the show, we're going to talk about passively investing in multifamily syndications. Okay, so we're going to cover kind of what's wrong with the stock market today and what, what can you do about it, right? And then what's the difference between active and passive investing? What are the pros and cons of each? What are the pros and cons of owning single family rentals? What other kind of real estate investments are there? What are the advantages of investing in multifamily syndications? How to prevent losses as a passive investor? And kind of what's the outlook for multifamily, right? So I'll give you kind of a, my market outlook. Is a recession coming? What's going to happen to interest rates? And uh, to help us with that, I have uh, Brunson Hill interviewing me. Brunson is our director of investor relations, great guy, experienced investor as well. So let's talk a little bit more with Brunson about passive investing in multifamily syndications. Here we go. Brunson, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Michael. I'm so excited to be here. So it's going to be a little different because Brunson's interviewing me. So Brunson, you were working with us in, under Nighthawk. You are in uh, a director of investor relations, which means are you're talking to potential investors, you're answering questions, you're getting uncomfortable with the idea of investing with multifamily, with investing with Nighthawk and that, that kind of thing. So I'm really excited to talk to you about today about the whole idea of passive investing. What does it mean? What to be careful of? Why is it maybe better or different than other forms of investing? Before we get going, uh, just introduce to people a little bit to who kind of what your background is. Okay, awesome. Well, like uh, Michael said, my name is Bronson. I have been a, an investor for about uh, 13 years, uh, mostly in single family, still on a small single family portfolio. And then I have a cousin who came to me who's very successful, owns about 1,400 units and said, why don't you do multifamily? And I said, I'd love to, but I don't have the money. So he said, well, you can raise the money. So that kind of started me on a journey of a process where I started looking into how to do it, ended up starting a meetup in Southern California where I live. So I have a large meetup in Pasadena, California. Uh, I'm a general partner of 225 units in Texas. And this, uh, this last, earlier this year, I joined the Nighthawk Equity team as the director of investor relations. So my passion is talking about passive investing, you know, why it's the best thing and everybody should be excited about it. The idea of getting mailbox money every single month. I think it's really the best possible thing you can do with your investment. So I'm excited, Michael, to ask you some questions and to get, uh, you know, your take on kind of what's wrong with the stock market and why people should do passive investing and why everybody, even as an active investor, should be interested in what passive investing is all about. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, awesome. So we'll jump right into it. So Michael, why don't you tell us your opinion of what, what is wrong with the stock market and what to do about it? Nothing's wrong per se, right? A lot of people have a lot of money in, in the stock market. I, I just think that people really don't pay attention to the stock market. And then when it tanks, it surprises them and, and, it, and it frustrates them and it depresses them. And so recently, I actually made a little bit of a science project, Brunson, out of this thing to really study 
the differences and the pros and cons of investing in the stock market. And I was very surprised at the true return of the stock market. So here's kind of what I found here in three minutes or less, okay? I found that the stock market is very volatile, okay? Which we kind of know, it goes up, kind of goes down, or we all feel it over the long term, it kind of goes up in value. But if you look at, for example, 2004, we invest $100,000 in 2004, it will be worth $277,000 in 2018, okay? So that's a it's about a 7% return, which is great. But it actually is not a 7% return compounded. If you actually plot the ups and downs with the, with the stock market from year to year, because of the volatility, the actual compound return is only 5.6%, a lot less than 7%. So I guess it's still not, not that bad, but people are not aware that whenever the stock goes down, it reduces the principal. And so the next year's return is now on less principal. So the overall compound return goes down. Now that is before any kind of fees, for example. A mutual fund uh, is anywhere between 0.5 to 2.5%. ETFs around 0.5 and slightly less than that. Let's assume most people have a mix of ETFs, uh, index funds, and mutual funds. So let's say there's an average of 1% fee on what that is. And what that does is it reduces that 56 average compound return down to 4.5%. Okay, and that doesn't look quite as quite as attractive as it once was. Now, let's talk about taxes. Stocks are, obviously, as everybody knows, taxed for short-term, long-term capital gains. And so let's say you're holding it long-term, what you're doing in this case is 10 years, capital gain tax rate now is, is 15%. So if you were to sell your entire portfolio in 2018 that you invested in 2004, it reduces your return from 4.5 to 4.0. Now you're starting to scratch your head a little bit, but here's the other thing. This is before inflation kicks in. Now it's, it's a well-documented fact that the Federal Reserve's inflation target is 2%. Now look it up on the Federal Reserve, and they've actually been pretty successful with that over the last 10 years, achieving a 1.6% inflation rate. So if you add that to the mix, it erodes your $100,000 that you invested where you thought you had a 7% annual return down to 2.5%. Now, if you're interested in the numbers for this stuff, I actually created a little bit of white paper on this for you numbers people out there. You can get it at themichaelblank.com forward slash report. So the michaelblank.com forward slash report is basically this white paper on what's the better investment, stock market or real estate. And so I got to go through this and look at the numbers, but it's shocking. I sensed that the stock market is always something fishy, something to always bother me about it. But now, now we know, right? So the returns are not where we think it is and then we're taxed on it and then inflation kind of eats away at it. Yeah, that's that's really shocking when you think about the fees and all the different, uh, especially the volatility, how that affects the stock market. So talk to us for a little bit about investing in real estate and the different options there are out there. Yeah, so so people are going to go, okay, Michael, that's great. So you've just poo-pooed the stock market. Thanks a lot. You know, what else is there? And of course, I'll say real estate. And they say, well, that's great. Well, what are the options? And a lot of people are thinking, even on the active investing side, single family houses. They'll say, well, I'm just going to buy a townhouse or I'm going to buy a house a year, which which is great. The, the downside of that, of course, is that if you're being a landlord, it's not, nothing really passive about that. So that's the main downside from that. And then there's people who will invest in single family turnkeys. And that's a little better because now it's more of a, a passive investment. So turnkeys are where you're basically investing with a company who buys, renovates, and manages the houses. Now you buy the house uh, with your money, with your loan, your credit, but someone else manages for you. And it's, that's why it's called a turnkey. So the major advantage there is that it's much more passive. Now, the downside of both of those 
because they're both single family, is they're much more susceptible to the market cycle. So if you remember back in 2008, the Great Recession, single family houses got hammered, like bad. If you look at multifamily on the other, so on the, on the residential side, there was a default rate of 4% on all government-backed mortgages, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, et cetera, 4% default rate. And on the multifamily was 0.4, right? So it's, it's like almost basically zero. So that's what I don't like too much about the single family. Even when I was flipping houses or had some rentals, I could not control the market. On commercial real estate, while I'm still somewhat susceptible to market, I'm not nearly susceptible because I control the value a lot by controlling the income. And I can't do that on the rentals. Also, the turnkeys are not as passive as you might think. Because if your turnkey company turns out to not work out, it's very difficult to hire a third-party manager to manage a single house or even two or three in a, in a market. In a multifamily, if your property manager does not work out and you're in, a, in an area, a city that's big enough, I can replace that property manager with, a, with someone that's actually better. So replacing my management is much more likely on the multifamily. So this is why most people are thinking, real estate, they're thinking single family houses. And then of course there's commercial or real estate. There's a variety of different asset types in there. There's multifamily, there's light industrial, there's mobile home parks and self-storage in that perspective. And again, within the asset classes with different, there's, there's different pros and cons between them. And of all of them, I really love the multifamily asset class the best. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. I think that uh, a lot of people, like you said, they start out with single family and I, I can testify to that as well. It Me never too. turns out the way that it, you think it's going to. That's why I'm in the process of selling my single family portfolio. So um, talk to us. I know you're a multifamily guy. I know at Nighthawk Equity, that's all we do is multifamily. Can you talk about the advantages of investors investing in multifamily syndications? Yeah, so that's exactly right. So there's, there's certain things I like about the multifamily and they fix a lot of things that talked about the stock market and single family house investing. Number one, it has a below average risk. And it's not just my opinion. It's look at the historical record of what is talked about in the recession. Also evidenced by the kind of loans you get from multifamily versus almost any other asset class. You get loans that are now we're getting quoted, Brunson, as you know, below 4% right now. And it may go down even a bit further in the rest of the year. Below 4% on a loan that's amortized over 30 years, 80% leverage, and it's non-recourse, meaning I don't have to personally guarantee it. Now, try to get that for any other asset class anywhere. And the reason you're getting these kind of terms is because banks recognize that multifamily is the least risky asset class. Okay. I don't have to make any other argument besides that. So I love the below average risk. That's number one, because it's all about risk, right? Number two, once you've kind of looked at the downside is, okay, what are my gains? And what I love about it is number one, multifamily, I get cash flow. It's very difficult to get cash flow from stocks now you get interest and dividends, but it's not really meaningful. I'd have the only way I can generate cash flow from stocks is if I'm more sophisticated and I, I get into selling uh, options or puts, for example, or I'm, I'm doing like iron condors or complicated stuff like that. So if you're a really technical active investor, you can actually generate cash flow from the underlying asset. Very difficult for the average person to do, much easier to do as a passive investor because you're getting cash on cash return every single year. So I love that. Passive investors love that because we're trying to figure out how can I generate passive income so I can quit my job? How can I quit my practice? I don't want to be doing this 10 years. And so we actually need some kind of passive income for that. Number three, I can build wealth with that. So yes, I get cash flow, but while we're doing these value add deals, we're increasing the value of the asset. Uh, we just recently financed out of one. It was a 321 unit in Memphis uh, country, country View Apartments. 
We bought it for $7 million. We put about $1.5 million into it and then refinanced out at $15 million. Okay, so that, that, that returned the investor's principal. They're still getting a cash return from that. They still have equity in the deal. But now they can take that same money and invest it in another deal. So now they're getting a double return and so on and so forth. So I love that. Number four, the tax benefits. And we don't talk about this a lot, Brunson, but the tax benefits are amazing. Meaning that when Trump was elected into office, he created a law kind of quietly. No one really knew about it. It's called bonus depreciation. So it has this thing, the depreciation, which has always been into real estate for decades. But it's normally the cost or the price of the real estate is written off over 27 and a half years. Now, if you do something called a cost segregation analysis, you can uh, accelerate that. And you can, instead of spacing it over 27 and a half years, you can you can realize about 90% of that over, say, seven years, which is fabulous. But with bonus depreciation, I can take the tiny, the entire depreciation up front. Now, what does that mean? That means that if someone's investing $100,000 and they're getting an $8,000 check every single year and they're putting it in their bank, when they get their K-1, their tax documents, hey, how many taxes are due on that? Instead of them showing a $8,000 gain, taxable gain, they're going to show like a $25,000 loss. And it's because of this bonus depreciation. Now, if you can't use that loss, it just carries forward and offsets next year's gains, which means that your taxable income on this on this income is negligible. And that's amazing. There's really no other investment on the planet that's like that. Oil used to be a little better. That oil used to uh, used to uh, allow you to write off about 100% of it. That's no longer the case. It's about 80% now. So multifamily real estate specifically is an amazing, amazing tax benefit. And then last is a great hedge against inflation. Okay, we talked about inflation, the silent killer. And what happens with inflation is as inflation, let's say it's 2%, well, inflation affects everything. It affects, obviously, your expenses, commodities, but also affects rent. So your rents are going up. You can make a science project out of it, and certainly you can take a look at it in the uh, the report I mentioned, because I do it there, michaelblank.com forward slash report, where I basically showed a 2% inflation gets you a 10% return on equity, like without even trying. You essentially get, because your your rents are increasing as your expenses are, but that delta keeps going bigger, bigger over time. So actually, inflation is a good thing. You actually increases your return. So those are the five reasons I love multifamily for passive investors. Thanks for sharing that, Michael. I think they're really, it's almost an unfair advantage when you compare it to other asset classes. I mean, especially the tax benefits as well as the inflation hedge and just the, the returns that you get. So really phenomenal. So talk to us for a minute about the difference between active and passive investing. Can you get into that a little bit? Yeah. So, so the definition first. So active investing is you're the entrepreneur. You're doing something active. You are maybe you're you're a deal finder. You're looking for deals. You're making offers. You're analyzing deals. Or you could be a capital raiser. So you're out there and you're raising capital. And that's kind of maybe but what you're doing as investor relations. You're out there raising capital and then you're bringing it into someone who has a deal. And maybe you join venture with that person. Or then maybe you do both. And so you're the syndicator. Syndicator finds a deal and raises the money and puts the proper manager in place. And they kind of do it all. So the point is that you're active, right? If you don't do something, nothing happens. Passive is exactly, obviously is, is passive, meaning that you have, you're investing money and there's really not much anything more that you need to do, right? The, the key there is that you're aligning yourself with an operator who's trustworthy, who generates consistent results, but you have a limited, uh, you're not day-to-day, -day, uh, you might have a vote on some of the, the larger decisions, but you're really essentially is, is passive. Now, the, the question is, you know, what's the right way to go or what's better, right? I mean, 
And sometimes it's, it's hard to say because there's a lot of active investors who get into active investing by passive investing first. They're like, I want to be active investor, but I'm going to passively invest a couple times just so I learn the business a little bit more. And so for them, it's a stepping stone, right? But then there's others who have no interest in being active. They have a very demanding day job. They're high income earners. And they really just, they don't want to have to deal with that. The main work that the passive investor does is finding one, two, maybe three high quality operating partners, right? And a great way to meet those people is at events or by phone calls with, with us or things of that nature. Because once you find a one or two, three maybe strong operators, you can just continue investing with them over over time, over time. And it really takes the complexity out of it and, and the risk as well. Absolutely. That's great. Talk to us a little bit about the outlook for multifamily. You know, I hear there's a recession on the horizon. Can you speak to that? Who's saying that, Brunson? <laughs> I don't a little voice in my head is saying that. People talk. It's interesting. I think people are saying that and I'm hearing the same thing. Um, and I think people are fundamentally saying it because we're overdue, right? We're in the longest bull market, I don't know, in a long time. But as I study this a little bit more, and I'm certainly not an economist, but as I'm, I'm talking to people, they can't really point to any kind of fundamental issue with our economy. Some people even argue it's, a, it's the slowest bull market if there is a bull market ever. And we're actually not in a bull market at all. And so I'm not sure. Um, I thought Doug Duncan, the um, chair of the Fannie Mae, had a recent talk. I think you guys saw that as, as well. He, he didn't forecast a recession at all, right? He says we're pretty much going to be stable. If you looked at CNN today, uh, it looks like because of the uncertainty around tariffs, Federal Reserve may actually cut interest rates twice this year. That's crazy stuff, right? That's crazy stuff. I think the only thing that there could be, because there's some uncertainty because of the tariffs, so we have an election coming up, because of the uncertainty, I mean, we can always get into a recession because of some kind of panic. Something sets something off and we get some kind of panic. And that may happen at any really any time. Right now, I, I don't see any fundamental uh, fundamentals. I, I, I do think that uh, multifamily specifically, people are overpaying for that. To some degree, doesn't mean that we're overpaying for that. So I don't know what's going to happen. All I can tell you is that we are very cognizant of the fact that there could be a market correction. And so paranoid is maybe too strong, but we are we have both eyes open as we do deals about our underwriting, how we approach our debt, and the things that we do is with one both eyes open to the fact that how do we protect us and our investors from a possible market correction, not knowing what could cause it, but who cares? Let's say it's coming in 18 months, 24 months. How will that affect our investments? How will that affect our investors? Yeah, I love what you shared earlier too about the you know single family. It's very different than multifamily, where it was you know four percent default rate in two thousand nine for single family houses, and then 0.4 percent for multifamily. So there is you know when people lose houses, or there is some sort of uh, recessionary activity. It seems like you know uh, middle class, working class apartments tend to be a great place to go. So can you give any parting guidance to our group, just as far as you know going forward, as far as passive investing and and investing in today's market? Look, I think the, the biggest thing is we got we got to protect our downsides, right? And so passive investors, and this is this is if you're listening to this and you're considering passive investing, you're mostly concerned about the downside risk and not so much about the returns, though those are interesting. And so really look at the investment and the in the operator you're partnering with. What are they doing to protect you from a market downturn? I'll I'll, I'll share I'll show you what, what we at Nighthawk do, right, Brunson? I mean, and sometimes this kills deals for us, and that's okay. For example, we, we want to put long-term debt on, right? We want to 
at least a 10-year term. And a lot of our projects, we have an, an exit in five years, either a sale or a refinance. Okay, that's the plan. And that maximizes the value for everybody else. But let's say the crap hits the fan in four and a half years. Okay, well, maybe I shouldn't sell right now. It's not a great time to sell. Maybe I shouldn't refinance right now, but maybe I'll write it out because I can. I, can another, I have another five years left on my debt. And now, look, the investors are not maybe going to be quite as happy because they're not getting their money back in five years, but they're going to be really happy that we can write it out. So long-term debt is very, very important. Uh, number two, cash flow from day one. The reason we're doing what we're doing, we're not doing development projects. We don't see any kind of income for the next three years. We want something that cash flows today, but it's not cash flowing as much as it should be. Okay, so we like these stable value add deals, meaning that we can get long-term debt on day one and we can make that thing cash flow even more so that if there is a correction, we can ride it out. If you look at where people lost the buildings in 2008, 0.4, almost zero. But the reason they were losing it was for speculation. They would get into something. There was no cash flow. They had these three-year arms, interest-only arms. I'm going to hold this for 12 months. And I'm going to sell it for a million dollars more without really doing anything. That, that was the mentality back then. Well, that didn't happen, as we all know. They didn't have the long-term debt. They didn't have the cash flow. And they had to get out because they couldn't refinance. They couldn't sell. But the note came due. What do you do? Well, I'll just give the keys back to the bank. But we don't do that, right? So absolutely critical. Uh, number three is we don't ever want to run out of money, okay? Meaning that when we close a deal, we have a certain you know capital construction budget. We always add extra to that. So when we close, we have extra cash in the bank. Now, if we don't need it, maybe we can return it to the investors. But my preference is to keep it in there as for, you never know. Number two, we also build up a reserve out of cash flow over time. Typically, $250 to $350 per unit per year is kind of the is kind of the guideline. So what happens over time is you just bank account grows, right? So we're making distributions to our investors, but we retain that reserve account over time. Right, so let's say, here's a perfect example. Let's say there's a, a sewer break somewhere, right? And you gotta tear up the street all the way from the, from the building to the street costs $35,000. Well, if you don't have $35,000 to fix that, what happens? Well, hmm, the toilets don't work anymore, it stinks. Your, your tenant's gonna start moving out. Well, that's a problem, now your income goes down. So as you can see, it's, it's, like, it's like this downward spiral that you can't get out of. Versus if I have $35,000, yes, okay, it may crush my, my distributions for a quarter or two, that's, that's not great. But hey, okay, I can live on, I can repair it, my, my tenants are happy, and I can continue on with my life. So you never wanna run out of cash. So those are like three examples of some of the things that, you, that we do. Another one I can think of is, I see a lot of operators projecting really aggressive valuations at resale down in five years. So we are just very conservative. We are assuming that in five years, the cap rates are gonna be higher. Right, And the only reason we assume that is because they're so daggone low, it's hard to imagine that they can go down every lower. So we'll just say, hey, you know what? The cap rates are going back to maybe where they were a little while ago. And of course, that reduces our sale price in year five, which means it reduces our returns. I see a lot of operators either having the cap rates the same as they are now or even lower, which of course juices the returns. So the warning is for the investors, don't just chase the return. There's so much more to a passive investment than the return, primarily the operator. Everything comes out of the operator. How do they behave? How do they underwrite this deal? So you got to ask them questions about that. Hey, what are you doing? You know, I just mentioned four things. 
Are you doing these things? If not, that should set up a red flag on, on those deals. The other one is if you invest with someone who's got a lot of track record, that further reduces your risk because they know what they're doing, right? So those are some of the things to look out for as they consider passively investing. That's great. I think what you said is just, you know, the operator, conservative underwriting. I mean, it's people can make all kinds of projections, but it really comes down to really under-promising and over-delivering. And at Nighthawk, that's really what we're passionate about. So I have a couple uh, things I wanted to share at kind of at the end. Is there anything else you want to share as far as next steps for folks that they can do? What do you got, Brunson? Okay, so I, I just wanted to share with everybody, we have at Nighthawk Equity, we have some amazing opportunities. Um, we're working on something right now. We obviously can't speak about it here. It'll probably be closed by the time this airs anyway. But we work with both accredited and non-accredited investors with a relationship. And basically how you can start hearing about deals and getting involved with us. And a lot of people we found that even our active investors, or maybe they're just getting started, they can start a relationship with us and then we can we can do deals together. So how that happens is you go to nighthawkequity.com and click the join button and you can schedule a call with me. Or if you'd like to email me, have some questions, feel free to email me. It's Bronson, B-R-O-N-S-O-N at nighthawkequity.com. And I look forward to connecting with you. I love being able to connect and, and educate on passive investing and what we're doing at Nighthawk because I feel like everything Michael has shared, those are the things that we're passionate about. And we're really excited about developing relationships with passive investors. Yeah, this is great, Brunson. I appreciate you uh, kind of talking about this stuff. I think it's an important message to get out. We've historically talked a lot about uh, active investing, but the passive investing you know, here's the thing. Passive and active investors want exactly the same thing. They want passive income, long-term wealth, so they can quit their job and become financially free. It's just a path is different. And so we want to shine a light on the passive investing side. And the vehicle in our case is Nighthawk Equity. You know, we have educational stuff. We have the podcast, the book, and we have training programs for those of you guys who want to be active investors. But really, we have this vehicle for Nighthawk Equity, and we want to shine a light on that as well. And our goal really is to help Pass investors become financially free by consistently providing returns in a below average mechanism, which is which is multifamily. So I'm really, really excited about that, much more excited than anything else we can put our money in. Thank you for the interview today. Absolutely. Thanks, Michael. It's been a joy to spend this time with you. I love the way you can articulate your ideas and you just have some real nuggets that I know a lot of our listeners really appreciate the value you bring. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to come and ask you these questions. All right. If you're interested in potentially passively investing with us at Nighthawk Equity, please go to nighthawkequity.com and just click the join button. You can join the Nighthawk Investor Club and that will begin a dialogue with us. You can schedule a call with Brunson. And once we get to know each other a little bit more, we understand your goals. We can present you with some uh, upcoming investment opportunities. And uh, in the meantime, we'll continue putting out articles, blogs, and, and videos that help you make better investment decisions and uh, we look forward to connecting with you there. And if you come and deal make it live, see you guys tomorrow. Otherwise, I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.